You know, when your heart gets overwhelmed, that makes a pretty good song. It really does. And when you start to think about it, it is enough that Jesus died and he died for me. That is an amazing, amazing thought. And I'm, I'm thrilled that, you know, I'm thrilled that we have someone like Molly that's, that's been saved a long time, but it's never gotten old. You know, I mean, it's not like she just got saved six months ago and it's still exciting. She's been saved a lifetime and it's still exciting. Amen? That's a mighty good thing. It's mighty good. I, um, I want you to go to Jeremiah chapter 18. Um, and while you go to Jeremiah chapter 18, we'll start at verse 1, but uh, I'm going to tell you uh, what I'm, just a little bit of a story here. I, uh, last night, I fought a battle all night long. Anybody ever been there where you're in a dream that you just can't come out of and you can't get any rest and you wake up and you go back to sleep and the same thing comes on you again? And, and uh, that's what I did last night. And the whole night, normally I don't remember the dreams. I really, I really don't. But, but it was so clear that I had to teach a class. Amen. Uh, I had to teach a class, but I wasn't ready. I wasn't prepared. And so my time was running out, and I couldn't find my notes. And I kept looking for my notes, and the time was running out. Then I finally found my notes, and then I started running to the class, but I couldn't find the class. I was in the room, and I couldn't find the right hallway. And it was just driving me crazy because time's running out, and I'm not ready. I'm not ready. And I just, I, I kept, it was all night long, some other scenario. Anybody else ever? Does it? Some of you, this wasn't a dream. This really happened to you, but, but it's a terrible, terrible feeling when, when man, you've got, you got, to, you got to have this ready, but you're not ready. And why I was not ready, I don't know. I don't know, you know, why I delayed, why I hadn't done it, what was going on. I'm not sure, but it was just, but it came down to the very end. It just, I, I've just got to get to the classroom. If I could just get to the classroom, then, then I could, you know, make this happen. But I can't find it. And it was just all night. I woke up this morning, and Joe Beth said, what's the matter with you? She said, you need eye drops. You know, my eyes were all bloodshot. And, and I said, I, I'm exhausted. I just I haven't gotten any rest at all. She said, why? I said, because I wasn't ready. And she said, what are you talking about? Uh, the, uh, and it was so crazy because this week, the message that I prepared to preach, I've been working on probably spent maybe double the number of hours on the message that's going to preach because in reality it's going to be a series uh, and I don't do series really on on Sunday but there's no other way to do the the message that I was going to preach this morning and I, so I spent more time more hours everything getting ready for this message so I couldn't you know what's this dream about because i Lord, I've prayed, I've prepared, I'm, I've got this, I've gone over and over and over and over this thing. And as I was getting ready this morning, listening to my Bible, uh, and you know, I have a, a little speaker in, in the bathroom there that, that uh, I listen to, and, and so I was listening to the Word of God, and I came to Jeremiah chapter 18. So you're not going to get the message that I, pre, that I prepared all week. And all this morning, as I was here at the church, I felt that same pressure I was feeling last night. 
I felt like, Lord, you're asking me to do something, and, and you're asking me, and I'm not ready. So Jeremiah chapter 18, I'm not sure where this is going to go. Maybe a really short message, or it may be really long. Because what I've found is that the, that, you know, <laughs> the less I'm prepared, the longer it takes me to get out what I'm going to say. So, uh, no. Uh, Jeremiah chapter 18, it says, The word which came to Jeremiah from the Lord, saying, Arise, go down to the potter's house, and there I will cause thee to hear my words. Then I went down to the potter's house, and behold, he wrought a work on the wheels. And notice this wheels, not, not just one, but two. And, the, and the, the vessel that he made of clay was marred in the hand of the potter, so he made it again another vessel as seemed good to the potter to make it. Then the word of the Lord came to me, saying, O house of Israel, cannot I do with you as this potter? saith the Lord, Behold, as the clay is in the potter's hand, so are ye in my hand, O house of Israel. At what instant I shall speak concerning a nation and concerning a kingdom to pluck up and to pull down and to destroy it, if that nation against whom I have pronounced turn from their evil, I will repent of the evil that I do to, uh, to, uh, to do unto them. And at what instant I shall speak concerning a nation and concerning a kingdom to build and to plant it, and if it do evil in my sight, that it obey not my voice, and I will repent of the good wherewith I said I would benefit them. Let's pray. Father, I pray that you bless the service this morning. Lord, I do need you. Lord, I need you every time I speak. I need you every moment of my life. But Holy Spirit of God, I yield myself to thee, that you would direct my mind, my thoughts, and give me clarity. Uh, Lord, I have worked diligently just the few hours that I had since you brought this to my mind. But Lord, I pray that you please, that you would speak. It's not my work. It's not my uh, organization or, or my structure of a message. Or Lord, it's, it's the truth that you want somebody to have. So Holy Spirit of God, guide me. I pray that you anoint me with fresh oil. Lord, I pray that you touch the ears of the people that are in here and that uh, whoever, wherever this is supposed to land, that it would be a help and a blessing to somebody, an encouragement. And in Spirit of God, I ask you please this morning, uh, it, through the name of Jesus, that you'd wrap your arms around us as a mighty hedge of protection and turn back every evil that would try to snatch away the truth and try to disrupt what we're doing here. Please, in Jesus' name, amen. As I said, I spent the whole week working on a message, message and... and um, and I probably, Lord, allow me. I, I'll start it start it tonight, and it'll, it'll, without a doubt, it'll be a, a form of a series. Uh, the The fact is, is I, I don't really decide to do a series, but but this that I'm going to be doing, it's a, it's going to almost be a necessity that it is, and it's going to be very very important. But this morning, I was as I was listening to, uh, to scripture and got dressed. Uh, I just was compelled. I just God just wouldn't let me, wouldn't turn me loose. He just, this had to be preached. And, and many people, you, you've probably been in church very long. You've probably heard a sermon about the potter and, 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 the, uh, and the clay in the potter's hand. But I'm going to look at that. Verse 1 again says, The word which came to Jeremiah from the Lord, saying, Arise and go down to the potter's house, and there I will cause thee to hear my words. Uh, this, this is so good. God will speak. Uh, to us today, just like he would speak to Jeremiah. 
You see, I believe he'll still speak to us, but here's the difference. The difference is that Jeremiah was hearing the truth for the first time, and today God will remind us of the truth that has been available in Scripture for, for millennia. Okay, uh, that's the difference. And he'll still speak to us. And he'll bring things just like I believe he did this morning as the verse was coming out. And as, as that man from the, 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 uh, on the app on my phone was, was, was uh, speaking this out. As he was doing that, uh, God pricked my heart, spoke to my heart about this passage. So God will do that. We just need to listen. That's what he says. I will cause thee to hear my words regardless uh, the key is to obey and listen to what God speaks to our hearts. And, and so God will speak to you, even this morning. You know, the great need in, in services like this is not the perfection of a preacher. It's the willing heart of the listener to say, Holy Spirit, please, please speak to me. Now, just as Jeremiah responded immediately to the word of the Lord, he said, then I went down to the potter's house. I love this. I love it in Scripture when God speaks to someone in Scripture and they immediately obey. And I just, I, again, I, I like to help you folks. The best thing to do when God pricks your heart about something, just do it. You say, well, uh, you know, I'm not sure. And, and maybe that's given up a lot or maybe it's changed. Look, just do it. I, I guarantee you there's nothing that, he, that God would prick your heart about that he's going to hurt you, and there's nothing that you could give up or change that would be more important than the will of God for your life. It's amazing when you simply obey the Lord, the blessings that will come. Here Jeremiah is going to see an incredible truth throw, and, and uh, he, he looks at the work on the wheels. First, Jeremiah sees that the potter is the one who's making the vessel. This is what's, again, wonderful. Folks, uh, did you understand that right now, God is the one that's molding your life? God is the one that's working on everyone. And, and, and I'm going to get probably way ahead of myself because everything probably be out of order today. But, but the fact is, is that a lot of times we look at this and we're thinking like, okay, God created me and, and, and you know, molded me and, and, and I was born and then, then I got marred. That's, that God's talking about, uh, I believe, since he's talking to Israel, he's talking about uh, to people who save people. He's talking about God's people and he's saying, that I've got something I want you to do and I'm molding you to do it. And sometimes we can't take the stress and the strain. Now we can, but sometimes we don't. Because God won't put you through more than you can bear. But sometimes we don't. I used to say all the time, you know, that uh, I didn't like to try to convince young people to come to Bible college. I was very slow to even, I didn't talk anybody into coming to Bible college. And the reason was, as I told them, I said, I need God to send them. Because if God sends them, they will probably be a stronger vessel. Because when they arrive here, they're going to come under pressure. And if they're not a strong vessel and they come under pressure, they're going to crack. Now, watch this. When they crack, though, Oh, I'm getting so far ahead of myself. I've got I to gotta stay by my outline a little bit. Verse 4, look at verse 4. It says, the vessel that he made of clay was marred in the hand of the potter. The vessel uh, that he made of clay was marred in the hand of the potter. Uh, he made the vessel, uh, but there was a weakness in this vessel. There was something in this vessel. Now, understand, the potter didn't cause it to collapse. 
The potter didn't do that. I don't believe that. I believe the potter is molding us, and he's molding us for something he wants us to do, some use he has for us, and he will not put us through more than we can bear. But when we as human beings, sometimes we collapse. Sometimes we give in. It sure is good that he's willing to even take our weakness and he looks at it and he says, I can mold that into something and use you. He used the same clay and remolded a vessel this time. The, and, and the second time, as far as we can tell, the vessel, when he remolded it, it was strong. Now, I got, a, I got a feeling it wasn't exactly the same shape and size and everything else. I, I don't think that was the case. I think he remolded it into something that it could do. Verse 5, then the word of the Lord came to me saying, O house of Israel, cannot I do with you as this potter? Saith the Lord, behold, as the clay is the potter's hand, so are ye in mine hand, O house of Israel. Now, if we understand the illustration, it's not about how, uh, again, how you're created and and your birth and all. It's it's about the process which God uses to cleanse our lives. You see, that that clay they had to use, it began... uh, that's why it says to bring you out of the miry clay. That's why God picks us up out of the miry clay because the clay is dirty. The clay has got filth in it. The clay has got debris in it. And God's got to work that out of us before he can really mold anything. He's got to cleanse us in order to get us to where we, where we need to be. The process of cleaning out the impurities of the clay, the process of working and molding our lives. But in reality, uh, Even though we are in the potter's hand, we will go through some difficult times and we don't have to, but we as human beings, we may falter. We may collapse. It may be emotionally. We may collapse, forgive me, through sin. But God, the great potter, can take our life regardless of how severe the collapse and remold us again. Folks, I really, I have no idea why God's had me do this, but, but we have to understand God says that he can take us. And, and look, I, I am an example, folks. I didn't get saved till I was 20, and, and I've, I've spent uh, uh, 42 years uh, since then uh, asking God to eliminate and wash out the garbage from my life from those first 20 years. I've asked God to do, and watch, uh, listen, I got, I got saved at, at 20, but I didn't begin to live the Lord for about 23, 23 and a half years old, really lived for the Lord. Changes were taking place, but there were still things there, and God has been so good. Listen, he remolded my life. I don't, I used to say all the time, I don't know what God really had planned for me, and I don't even worry about it. I really don't. I can't. All I know is what he's got for me now. I can't look at what could have been. I have to look what is. Now, I believe this is a dual application. I believe it's, it can be applied to the one before they're saved, but the illustration primarily is to the saved, I believe. But I thank God that he can rebuild, remold a broken life. And don't be, listen, I guess this is the direction that God kept working as I was working on this this morning. Is that 
don't, don't be too quick to assume that a life is ruined. Listen, don't be too quick to assume your life is ruined. Don't be too quick to assume somebody else's life is ruined. You know, because if, if we're too, look, when we start assuming that the life is ruined and it can never be repaired, we, we're not doing anything but further damage to the life. And God doesn't want that. God wants us to understand. And that's why he gives us this illustration. He says, listen to me. He said, come, come down here, Jeremiah. Take a look at the potter. Watch this. When the, when, the, when the vessel is marred, he said, don't you start condemning the vessel. Don't you start looking at it like there's no hope. Don't you start looking at it like it ought to be thrown away. He says, keep watching. I'm going to take the same clay and I'm going to remold it. There was a, a man who had a waterbed. Anybody ever had a waterbed? We, were, we got married in the 70s, folks. We had a king-size waterbed. And it was the type, it, didn't, it wasn't one of those, it was the type that just a big ball of water, you know, which meant if I got in the bed, Joe Beth popped out. <laughs> now, there was a man who had a waterbed, and he woke up in the morning. You ever done this? He woke up in the morning, and there was a puddle of water in the middle of his bed. That's a bad sign. Bad sign. And so, uh, anybody ever had that happen? Well, we did that too. So, the, uh, so he, he said, man, he said, I, I got to fix this, you know, patch this leak. And so, he decided that he was going to empty it completely, take it outside, and then fill it up really, really big, and, and, uh, and, and just, you know, find out where the leak was. Because, you know, if you put enough pressure in there, the water's going to come spewing out of that leak. And he'd found it real easy. So he emptied it all out, took it out there, and he started filling it up. Well, then he got sidetracked and he forgot about it. And so it did fill up really big. But it filled up so big that it became basically a big ball and it started to roll down the hill. And as it rolled down the hill, it went into a briar thicket and it went into that briar thicket. And when it crunched in that thicket, it punctured holes all over it. And so now he's really upset, and he just takes it and throws it away. And he goes and he buys him a new bed, but this time not a water bed. He's not going to deal with that anymore. He goes and gets him a new mattress, a new bed, new frame, everything. He puts it in there, and the next morning he wakes up, and there's a puddle of water in his bed. <laughs> and he realized the upstairs bathroom was leaking, and it was dripping through the ceiling. <laughs> you know, he assumed too much too quick. You know what I'm saying? Now... I'm going to give you another illustration. I, I read a story recently. I couldn't find the exact story, but sort of rewrote it from memory. But the story was of a, a young girl who had a, a horrible past, and then she got saved. She was growing in the Lord and had been in church for several years, and the pastor's son began to take an interest in her. When they did, the church became very upset for they felt like a girl with her background should not be dating the pastor's son. Finally, in a heated discussion at the church, the boy stood up and said, the girl that I've fallen in love with is not on trial here today. What you've put on trial is whether the blood of Jesus is capable of cleansing us from all sin. Your question you question whether the blood of Jesus can truly change a life. 
Now, I know, honestly, you know, I've had daughters to date and marry, and so I know, depending on the situation and circumstance, it's not a matter of whether the blood of Christ is able to cleanse, but rather, has there been sufficient time for that person to, in a sense, prove that they've allowed the blood of Christ to cleanse? I understand you don't make foolish uh, and jump to foolish decisions, but I used to preach and teach that there needs to be enough water under the bridge that the pro- that, uh, to prove that the bridge is going to hold. But I also would say there must be a time that we allow all who come to Christ to know that they're cleansed and that we believe in them. You see, you know, I, I doubt they hear this, but you know, all six of, or my, or five of my daughters, all married uh, sons of preachers. Every one of them, their dads were the preachers. Every one of them came from families very similar to ours. Every one of them, in reality, they, their families lived a lot by faith, like we did. We were very similar. The, um, my fifth daughter, Amber, met Matt, her first husband, and, and Matt was from a broken home. He was a bus kid from Philadelphia. But, you know, from the time he was 10, 11 years old to, I guess, 18, 19, maybe he was 20, he's probably 20 years old before he asked Amber out. For about nine years, this kid had basically been kind of reared in his pastor's home. The pastor, which was my another son-in-law's dad, and reared with my son-in-law. And You know, I looked at that, and, and Matt didn't come from the greatest background, but we couldn't look at where he came from. We had to look at where he was. Two and a half years later, Matt died of cancer. In two and a half years, I never saw that boy ever even question God. Truth is, he had a two-year ministry preaching to all over this world, some by video. But, I mean, God miraculously gave him strength to do what few people would ever have an opportunity to do. And God worked a miracle in his life. Now, I'll be honest with you, some people kind of questioned me on it when I was okay with Matt's background. Because I said, that's not, here's here's what I had to do. I had to look at me. Well, Matt went to heaven, and then another Matt came along. And that Matt had grown up in a Christian home. Mom and dad served full-time service, not a pastor, but full-time service. And, but Matt had strayed away from the Lord. And he'd come back to God, and, and after coming back to God, he showed some interest in my daughter Amber. When he first showed interest, I was hesitant because he was not long back to God. So I wanted more water under the bridge. But eventually, after a couple of more years, really, around about a year and a half, two more years, 
he showed that, that interest again and came back around and he sat and looked at me across the desk and had, had the integrity, the decency to come to me as a dad even though my daughter is a grown woman and already been married and lost a husband but came and asked me if he could date my daughter. And I looked at him and here's what I had to do. I had to look at him and say, I'm not looking at where you were. I'm looking at where you are. I'm looking at where you are. And you know, I told him, I said, for me to condemn you and never allow you, never allow you to be remolded, I have to condemn myself. But God used me. And I'm not perfect and I'm so far from it. But God took a wicked sinner. And God remolded my life. And I've had people say to me, well, you know, what happens if he goes back to his whole life? Well, what happened if I did? There's a point where you got to believe. That God is able to remold a life. God makes it abundantly clear that the clay is in his hands. God makes it abundantly clear that he's the one working on the clay. God makes it abundantly clear that he does not give up on the clay. Do you hear me? He does not give up on the clay. God makes it abundantly clear that he can and will remake the vessel. That is such a hope. That is such an encouragement. That's such a blessing that whatever we've been through, wherever we've been, God will remake us. You see, it's not God that struggles with a remade vessel. It's man. But I want to make a statement. If God thinks enough of that clay to remold it, who are we to question God's power and wisdom? So I just thank God he remolded me. Hey, I thank God right now that, that Amber and Matt are about to have their third child. And they're working. You know who they're working with? They're working with, with uh, uh, a ministry to to those with addictions and, and working with seeing those lives changed and working to, to, to make a difference. And, and God's even opened up the door. They got it. We're all praying about it right now, but he's got some men that are backing him, trying to uh, create a farm uh, there up in, in Indiana, a farm for these men that he works with so he can have them away from uh, the wickedness of the city and have a home for them out in the city and teach them and help them and see them grow. Yeah, he came from a rough background, but bless God, God remolded the vessel. And God's blessing the vessel. It appears that God is mighty slow to give up on any of his clay. So my message, if you feel you're a marred vessel, praise God that right now if you'll let him, He'll remold you.
You know, if you feel you have a loved one who's a marred vessel, never give up. It's amazing what our potter can do. It's amazing what will happen to a life that's in the potter's hands. Don't give up. And folks, let us never be, and I don't believe we are here, but let us never be a people that, 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 that condemns someone or, or puts someone or gives up hope because, you know, what they've done. Listen, I, God will take anybody from anywhere, any vessel, no matter how much it's collapsed, he can take that and remold it again. Too many have been lost because they believe themselves to no longer be of value to God. I told Jeremy before he left to go to Bible college, I said, Jeremy, you listen to me. I've seen a lot of young people that they go to Bible college and they find out they're, they're human and they mess up. I said, but here's the worst part. The worst part is that then they feel like they're not worthy. They feel like they shouldn't come back to church. They feel like there's no need to try to do anything for God. What, you know, I, I failed this. You, you see, what happens is we decide this is the vessel that God wants me to be. And then when something happens, when we, when we falter, when we fall, when we fail, when we collapse as that vessel, uh, we, we just can't grasp that God could remold us to do something else for him. And I want, you, I want us to be a people that, listen, if somebody uh, walks out the door today and, 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 and messes up their life and, and gets out in the, in the world and, and, and their vessel is collapsing, listen, one thing, we don't know what kind of pressure caused them to. We don't know what happened in their life. We don't know what they've been dealing with. It's no excuse. I understand, but I'm telling you, you may have collapsed also if you were that one. If you'd suffered what they suffered, if you'd gone through what they'd gone through, if you dealt with what they dealt with, don't think you're above it. But if they collapse, listen to me, we've got to be the people that say, no, you've got to believe that God's got something. He remolds you. We believe it. God believes it. You've got to believe it. I've seen college students Preachers, church members that find out that they have a weak spot under pressure. They've been marred because of the stress of life. And they feel that there's no place in a church or for the work of God for them any longer. Folks, we make ourselves God when we judge people and decide whether they're worthy of being used again. God doesn't do that. And I just want to tell you, if this is in your mind about yourself or about anybody else, 
I'm going to just tell you straight out. It's a lie. It's a lie and you're believing a lie. God can use us again. God can remold the broken vessel. He doesn't throw away the clay. This was so amazing. He didn't start a new vessel. He took that same clay and remolded a vessel. God is the potter in his business is remolding broken vessels. I guess my question is today, are you in the potter's hand? Are you in the potter's hand? You see, I'm, I want to be in the potter's hand. I hope and pray from this point on that the vessel he's created me to be and he's continued. Do you, you understand? We think that he molds it and then he puts us out here and we are used. I don't even believe that. I believe that all of my life, He's still molding me. He's still working. And the truth is, I better be on guard because at any time in my life, I could collapse. But he's still working and molding me. Are you in his hand, though? Are you in his hand? Say, Brother Hooker, what do you mean? You see, I think sometimes we believe that we're in church, so we must be in his hand. But to really be in the potter's hand, we first must have been reclaimed from the mire. At some point, God had to reach down and take us out of the Maori pit. Do you really know that you've been taken out of the Maori pit? It's called salvation. It's called trusting Jesus as your Savior. And when he takes you out of that, when you trust him as your Savior, then from that point on, you are in the potter's hand. Now, it may be that you've collapsed you may have collapsed and been remolded two or three times you say man would God still remold me again I believe yes because he doesn't throw the clay away father I pray that you bless our church today, dear God, I, I don't know why this morning you changed my heart, my mind. But I know, Lord, without the potter, we're left in the miry clay of sin and Satan without hope. And Lord, if there's anybody here 